Fires, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Nice to see y'all again. Welcome back, party people, to the place that everybody would like to be, Victory Lane. You know that by now. Episode 12, and we are here to recap the racing that we saw at Charlotte Motor Speedway, the All-Star Race. That might have been a holy bejesus. If I was there, I think it definitely would have been a holy bejesus. But that was pretty fun, wasn't it? Um, It's going to be a little shorter show this week, as you probably see from the episode length. We'll recap the All-Star Race, preview the greatest day in racing, Monaco in the morning, Indy in the afternoon, and Coke 600 at Charlotte in the evening. Darrell Waltrip, get her revved up, my friend. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys. The All-Star Race at Charlotte. But before that, we had the Open, and that was insane, all right? I'll run it through you real quick for the one time. William Byron wins the first stage to get in. He passes Bubba Wallace off turn four, almost got door slammed, but he beat him to the line by inches, and I mean inches. It was insane. So Bubba, you you might think his confidence is a little shattered, right? Comes back with a vengeance and wins stage two, held off Daniel Suarez to win that stage in advance to the big show. Suarez went spinning in the infield on the synthetic turf, which also got a lot of positive pub this week, which I am for because, fun fact, you know, people talk synthetic AstroTurf, yada, yada. They don't know the company that manufactures that AstroTurf. Well, as a matter of fact, I do. That company is Fields Incorporated. They were a sponsor of Kevin Harvick. I believe they are a sponsor of Kevin Harvick in an associate role right now. But I know that because I met the owner and the founder of that company, I believe, at Homestead a couple years back. And he just happens to be a graduate of Michigan State University. How about that, party people? Spartan blood, always in NASCAR, right? So Bubba comes back, wins stage two. That was insane. And then Kyle Larson wins stage three and advances. That was an uneventful stage, but if you live under a rock, well, I'll tell you who won the all-star race. But let's just say Kyle Larson winning stage three was very, very important to the rest of the evening. And Alex Bowman advances via the fan vote. Just a quick nugget on that. That was kind of surprising to me. I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts, so go ahead and tweet me at Davy Center when you hear this episode. But I was kind of surprised that Alex Bowman won the fan vote because, frankly, he's not you know an outgoing guy. I mean, Bubba probably would have been up there if he did not advance in and of himself, but I think that he was not going to win it. Um, Larson probably would have been up there. I'm sure Matt Benedetto is up there. Corey LaJoy is a guy who not enough people know about, but he's probably one of the best personalities in the garage. And no disrespect to Alex Bowman, because I like the dude. He's a great race car driver. I've interviewed him before. He's a really great quote. He's he's a hell of a driver, but I, I just don't see, you know, why he got the fan vote. I would probably say driving the 88 and having Dale Jr.'s backing had something to do with that. But, hey, I'm happy for the guy. I mean, he's been killing the game as of late. Had three straight second-place finishes coming into the All-Star race. And I'm sure his odds to win the Coke 600 went up um, after those three second-place finishes. So if you want to throw some cash on Alex Bowman, that's probably not a bad idea. So if it all ended there after the Open, you'd think that would be enough, right? Dianu for all my Jews out there. That was insane racing. 
But then we had the All-Star Race, the main event, as Kyle Larson called it. Um, you know, he won the B-Main, Alphabet Soup, and then won the A-Main. There, I spoiled it. Um, but okay, so Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Joey Logano won the three stages leading up to the final run in the All-Star Race, but that didn't really matter. But throughout those three stages, there was great slicing and dicing, three wide racing, four wide at some points going along the front stretch quad oval. Insane, right? Let's fast forward to the end. Kevin Harvick in his pink millennial car that says turnt left and yeet on the side and has avocado toast and says skirt, skirt on the side, skirt. He yeets Kyle Larson to the front on a restart with fresh tires that the other guys in front of him took two or stayed out. And Kyle Larson in the 42 was able to hold off the number four car for the million dollars. I wrote in my notes, I'm Millie. Shout out Lil Wayne, Wheezy. His first win since September of 2017. It's been a hot minute for Kyle Larson, hasn't it? And since then, he's won in other cars, right? We all know his forays outside of the NASCAR stock car realm. He's obsessed with racing. Probably the one guy in NASCAR right now that races more than anybody else, maybe him or Christopher Bell. But NASCAR-wise, this win actually comes at an interesting, maybe even weird time. Gosh, after the year we've had, I would have not guessed that we would get our first win at the All-Star Race. But uh, I think the way that the format is it, it, and how crazy the race is, it kind of helps, helps out uh, us. And we always seem to run good um, this weekend. So it just feels like a big relief to, to finally get a win. It's been a long time since I've been to Victory Lane um, in a stock car. So um, and you know, after being close to winning this race a couple years ago and, and allowing Joey to get by, it feels really good to get some redemption. Let's stick on the topic of this year while we're at it. Besides the lack of winning that's happened this year for Kyle and the lack of good luck that the 42 has had, 2019, in a multitude of ways, as I'll tell you right here, has been different than the past. This year has been different for me. Um, I've never worked out before, and you know, I, I've, I've been in the gym a little bit more uh, this year with Josh Wise, and, and just working out with him and, and being around him. Um, puts a lot more confidence and ease into me. I feel like I'm just more calm. You know, I wasn't nervous at all um, that last restart. And, and you know, I think partly of that is, is from, you know, just feeling like I am prepared. And also losing, um, you know, close races. You know, I just, I just, I, I'm, I feel like I've done a good job of not getting stressed out. Even, you know, even with... You know, me losing the Chili Bowl, I, you know, I, I felt like I was, I was really calm until the last two laps, and I gave the race away. And, um, you know, tonight I wasn't going to let that happen. So um, with those losses that I've had, you, you grow from each and every one of them. So um, hopefully we can, you know, continue this. And, uh, you know, like I feel like I've be- everybody becomes a better driver, you know, the older they get. But um, I feel like I've, I've put more work and effort into it this year. Kevin Harvick came home in second place, and uh, he was not too happy, and he was a little harsh on his pit crew after the race, which if you've been following NASCAR for any time, you know that's not a rare circumstance whatsoever, but he's right. I mean, it's been this way since, what, 2005 or something like that? It's been almost this way for two decades, but it just seems like whenever Kevin Harvick has the race in the bag, clearly the fastest car throughout the entirety of the event, short runs, long runs, anywhere in between, the one weak spot has been pit road, but we'll see if the four team can rebound this upcoming weekend at Charlotte. When we get to my predictions, uh, I think he will be able to rebound, and that crew will be able to as well. Kyle Busch came home in third place, held off the hard chargers behind him as he had two tires at the end. Logano, Joey Logano, that is, came home in fourth 
And how about Bubba Wallace, people? Fifth place run for the driver, the number 43 for Richard Petty Motorsports. I was very shocked that he was able to stay up there, but hey, that is great. Great for the sport. Um, And I mean, besides that, this is honestly a very fun, entertaining all-star race. And that's what it's supposed to be. And oh, by the way, I didn't even hit it on the fight. The fisticuffs that we saw with the Rock'em Sock'em robots acting like Waka Flocka Flame with the bow, 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 bow after the race with Clint Boyer and Ryan Newman. It was insane, wasn't it? So here's the cliff notes, okay? Um, on the cooldown lap, Newman isn't too happy with Boyer. Gives him a little love tap. Boyer loses control. Uh, goes into the wall. So that's kind of a no-no. You know, you, you don't use your race cars as weapons. And I believe that Boyer thought that Newman, being a veteran of the sport, knew better. So Boyer parks his car on pit road, unhooks himself from the air conditioning cooling vent that hooks up to his helmet, gets right out, looks like, you know, a little heated, and then boom, sprinting like Usain Bolt right over to Newman's car in the six and just rock him, sock him, robots, soccer boppers, more fun than a pillow fight. I think he got 11 or 12 punches in on Newman before Cruz were actually separating the two. But it was insane. And I think Steve Luvender had a tweet, you know, if you see Clint Boyer running, you know something's going down. Uh, if you know, you know Phoenix a couple years back with Jeff Gordon. But that was insane. Uh, Clint basically said, you know, back where I come from, you get poked in the nose for doing stuff like that. And uh, I think he poked him in the nose pretty well. And as I said on NBC Sports Washington, you can check out the clip that I did with my boy Travis Thomas. Clint had some beef to squash, and he clearly squashed it pretty well. Um, so, yeah, that was an entertaining all-star race, something that we have not seen in the past few years. I think this year, 2019, and last year as well, 2018, those two years kind of show that this all-star race can stay at Charlotte, can be entertaining, and whether you mess with the format or not, you mess with the aero package or not, when you get it right, it is some show, and it's fun to watch for everybody involved, drivers, fans, teams alike. But more fun for Kyle Larson because he is $1 million richer. Let's look ahead to the greatest day in motorsports. I'm telling you, I've been so happy all week long because I've been getting more into other forms of racing in the past couple years. I mean, that's no secret with my coverage of the K&M Pro Series. But even so, outside of stock cars, I've been getting more into F1 and IndyCar. So you got Monaco, the Grand Prix, at 9 a.m. on Sunday. Um, I'm very excited for that. You got the Indy 500 at noon. And I've said with IndyCar, like I've been getting more into that. I'm really lit about that race. It's the biggest event in sports. People say the Super Bowl of NASCAR is the Daytona 500. People say the Super Bowl of IndyCar is Indy 500. So, I mean, I'm a NASCAR guy through and through, but there's, I mean, I don't think it's any contest. The Indianapolis 500 is a bigger race than the Daytona 500. It is the biggest auto race in the world. It is a, you can't argue this, whether or not you hate racing, disrespect racing, whatever. It is a top five sporting event in the world. And clearly my bias is showing, but I mean, I, I would say that it's the biggest sporting event in the world. I mean, sheer numbers-wise, it has to be because you pack, you know, 300,000 people into a, a sporting venue for one day, and you have cars that are three wide, 10 rows deep, going 230 miles an hour into turn one for 200 laps for 500 miles. It's insane. It is absolutely absurd. 
And the buildup to this year's 500 has been amazing with bump day, uh, the fast nine, last row shootout, everything that was going on with Fernando Alonso missing the field with McLaren, one of the most storied race teams in the history of uh, motorsports. Uh, Kyle Kaiser with Junco's Racing getting in. Simon Pagano winning the pole. Penske looking really strong. Ed Carpenter, maybe the hometown boy, is going to finally get his win in the, day, in the Indy 500. I was going to say day, Daytona. God, I'm talking so much, I can barely catch a breath. Um, and, of course, in the evening, we got the Coca-Cola 600 at 6 p.m., 600 miles, 400 laps, the longest race of the season, by far one of the toughest endurance-wise in all of racing. So let's get into that a little bit more. Last season, Kyle Busch dominated this puppy, led 377 laps. That's wild. And the year before, that was nothing. Martin Truex Jr. led 392 of the 400 circuits at Charlotte. Uh, that was in 2017. Just complete domination from JGR the past couple of years. We'll see if they can keep it up. There's also four stages in this race. Every other race in the Cup Series schedule, there's only three. But since this one's so long, they added a fourth one a couple of years back. Um, you got to break it up, right? So I'm all for that. Kyle Busch looking to rebound after his 30th place finish in the last points race that we had at Kansas. Obviously, like I mentioned a little bit ago, we finished third in the All-Star race. Leading the point standings now is the defending champ, Joey Logano. Kyle Larson has a ton of mojo following his All-Star win. But points-wise, he is in a 56-race drought in terms of not winning a race. So we'll see if he can carry on that momentum and snap that winless streak. The last driver to win the Coke 600 after winning the All-Star race, I believe, was in 2011, maybe? Someone fact-checked me on that. But I know for a fact that it was Kurt Busch when he was driving the two-car for Penske Racing. Kevin Harvick looking for his first win of the season. This point last year... He had four checkered flags to his credit and was locked in solidly to the playoffs. He's won two Coke 600s in the past. His first one he got on fuel mileage, besting Dale Jr. Actually, I think that was 2011. So I guess Kurt Busch didn't win it. I digress. So, all right, let's get to my predictions for each race. Um, Formula One, you know, you're either going to pick Lewis Hamilton or the field. I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton to win at Monaco again. Um, the Indy 500, this one I'm I'm very torn about because I don't follow IndyCar racing enough this year at least to know who is going to be the strongest far and away above everybody else. But I have been following the festivities going on at the Brickyard this year pretty much closer than I ever have. Something in my gut just tells me that Ed Carpenter is going to get it done. I think that would be a really, really cool story if the hometown guy from Indiana who's sat on the pole a couple times, I believe, um, in the 20 car is able to pull it into victory lane and drink that milk. I mean, the, the motion that would pour from his face would be something that I don't think we've ever seen before, because if anybody knows anything about IndyCar racing and the Indianapolis 500, Ed Carpenter knows. And, uh, I, I think that would be a really cool story. And for the Coke 600, I'm going to go with Harvick to win. I think he, he showed that he had the best car at Kansas, which is a mile and a half race at night. He showed that he had the best car at the All-Star race, which was a mile-and-a-half race at night, albeit different circumstances, you know, with different cars, a smaller field, shorter race. But something in my gut just tells me Harvick's going to get it done. So I'll go Lewis Hamilton, Ed Carpenter, and Kevin Harvick to win the three races on Sunday, Memorial Day weekend, motorsports' greatest day. I'm so excited! Look nuts of the week! Cue the music, Diego Alvarado. The 2020 NASCAR Hall of Fame class was announced 
Tony Stewart, Bobby Labonte, Coach Joe Gibbs, hail to the Redskins, Buddy Baker, and Waddell Wilson. Solid class. I don't really have beef with any of these guys. So instead of throwing stats at you guys, because I've kind of realized that when I'm listening to podcasts and people just throw stats at me, I don't really retain that information that well unless I'm writing it down with a pen and paper, which I'm sure none of you are doing. So instead of doing that, I'm going to tell you my memories of each of these drivers, like the first thing that comes to mind. Tony Stewart, the 2011 championship that he won. Um, Going into the playoffs, he basically said, you know, we don't even deserve to be in the playoffs. And he rattled off five wins in the 10-race playoffs. That was insane. He ended up tying with Carl Edwards at Homestead, but he won via the tiebreaker as he won that race. That that was one of the most insane jobs of driving a race car for that 10-week stretch that I have ever, ever seen. Always funny, uh, a legend in every sense of the word. Also a funny moment that I had with with Tony Stewart. Not really I had, but I was at Las Vegas uh, in the MGM Grand one year, and it was when Kevin Harvick was revealing the Mobile One paint scheme after the campaign that he did with the Cayman Mutombo. No, 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 not today. Tony Stewart was there being the team owner, of course. And uh, I saw this lady run up to Tony and said, Tony, will you sign my leg? And he's like, sorry, I think I remember you. I did last time. And she was like, oh, you're right. And, like, I was like, wait, did you not know that he signed your leg? Like, I'm confused. But I think she just wanted it on the other leg or something. So, congratulations to Smoke. His teammate at JGR, Bobby Labonte. Memories I have of him. Um, He won the 2000 series title. I was too young to really be following the sport at that point. Uh, I kind of remember him more so just having that iconic 18 Interstate Batteries car. But also, the later years of his career, when he was driving the Cheerios car for Richard Petty Motorsports, um, he was the one that was borderline, in my opinion. But he's deserving, no doubt about it. But at the same time, I this is kind of a bigger picture issue that I might have later on in the podcast. Um, but I think that the, the way the Hall of Fame voting is done is very flawed. And I think there's a way that it can be tweaked to have a little bit more credibility because if we keep doing the way we're doing it now, putting in five members each and every year, we're, we're going to end up putting in Corey LaJoy if he continues his career trajectory. And Corey's um, you know, a, sh- a straight enough shooter to tell you right now that if he would to be put in the Hall of Fame, that would be literally the, the most laughable thing of all time. Um, let's see. Joe Gibbs, hail to the Redskins, of course, three-time Super Bowl champ. David Wilson, who is the president of Toyota Racing Development, he said something on Sirius XM NASCAR radio that I really kind of sat back in my chair and said, wow, I believe um, in terms of drivers that he's had, you know, when it's all said and done, at least nine Hall of Fame drivers have come through his stable, maybe more, and more coming for sure. And he has nine titles across the Xfinity and the Cup Series. So some people might say it's a little early for Coach, but I say that's well-deserved as well, and time is right. Buddy Baker, don't know really that much about him, but I do know that he was nicknamed the Gentle Giant. I think he's, what, six foot six? I wrote in my notes, WTF. I think that he should be in the Hall of Fame just for being that tall and racing in a NASCAR stock car. Like, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. And Waddell Wilson, I, I don't know enough about him, but everybody that I've talked to that has seen him be around the sport in, in, back in the good old days said that he is the real deal. He was an engine builder and a crew chief, won a few Daytona 500s. Um, I mean, he, he's definitely deserving as well. One of the One of the guys who was back in the day one of those names when you talk about now Doug Yates, 
um, you know, Chad Canals, Dale Inman back in the day. I think Waddell Wilson was kind of in that stratosphere as well. By the way, Kyle Busch won his sixth straight truck race this past weekend. Um, he ended up batting 1,000 in 2019 in the truck series. So, shout out to Kyle Busch. Six for six in the trucks, but he's done now. NASCAR and ISC, that stands for International Speedway Corporation, they have officially merged. $2 billion is the reported amount of the deal. And it gets kind of confusing in terms of legalities and the, and, you know, the vocabulary, but basically this makes the path for a possible schedule realignment much, much easier. So if you're a fan, this is a good thing. Ross Chastain announced a fifth race with Colleague Racing coming up later this season at Kansas Speedway. That'll be in the playoffs. Lucas Oil Speedway in Missouri was damaged by tornadoes. Crazy pictures and videos coming out of there on social media. Um, hope everybody over there is all right. Did you know Dale Earnhardt Jr. smoked cigarettes? Like, that's not even a sarcastic question. I mean, looking back on it, you could probably assume a good old country boy might have. Yeah, but I, I didn't. I really didn't, but he talked about it this week. There's a story that Nate Ryan wrote on NBCSports.com slash NASCAR detailing, you know, how he hid it from his father, Dale Earnhardt, and Amy, his wife, was actually the one that finally made him quit, and that was kind of going to be a deal-breaker in their relationship, so pretty interesting stuff. And the last piece of news, Dick Trickle, one of the best names in racing. He had a statue erected in his hometown in Wisconsin. Very, very cool. Rest in peace to the legend. I, I was having a conversation with somebody the other night. Um, you know, Dick Trickle, the thing I, I remember about Dick is the fact that under caution, he was smoking cigarettes in his race car. <laughs> it doesn't get much, much more badass than that, right? That'll wrap things up for episode 12 of Victory Lane 2.0. Short and sweet, like I told you guys this week. We do have one more guest from my batch of interviews that I had at Martinsville and Bristol a couple months back. Um, I'm going to keep you guessing on who that is, but if you're an OG, I might have mentioned it in a, in a previous episode. We might have that next week. I might save it for the week after because I had a, an epiphany in my shower this morning that after each of the three races this Sunday, I might just record, you know, five or ten minutes with my dad and just kind of break down what we saw. That might be a, a cool thing to do because that's what my dad and I do. Every Memorial Day weekend on Sunday, we sit our butts on the couch, we watch racing, mom gets us some food, and we enjoy ourselves. So please remember to rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. We are on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and I leave you how I always leave you. Peace and love. Enjoy the racing this weekend. If you're going to the beach like myself, be safe, safe driving, safe travels, make good choices. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. LOL. Um, have a great time. Enjoy the racing on Sunday. I know I will. And we'll talk to you guys next week right here in Victory Lane.